Hi, welcome back to Tell Me About Your Job, the show where we learn the ins and outs of different professions straight from the professionals themselves. If you've ever wondered what different jobs are actually like, then you're in great company. Whether you're looking for a career change or just figuring out a college major, then this is the show for you. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Josh Nasser. Today, I'm joined by Garrett Garcia, who is a claims adjuster for Florida Farm Bureau. Garrett, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. I'm excited to have you. So let's kick it off. Uh, Tell me about your job. Well, I'm a claims adjuster at Florida Farm Bureau Insurance. It's a small company as far as insurance companies go. The big ones, of course, being stuff like Geico, State Farm, Progressive. So we're a relatively small firm. So I get kind of the some of the benefits of a small firm and some of the negatives as far as we do. But my job essentially is I talk to people after they get in car accidents and I help them with the process of getting their car fixed, getting someone else's car fixed and helping someone if they're injured settle claims is what we call it. But essentially you, you pay them money to do what they want to do, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. So how long have you been doing that? It's been about two and a half years now. Something that I never thought I'd get into. Um, I was just looking for a job after college, but I found out from most of my coworkers that none of them expected to go into insurance either. It's more of a, you land there kind of (laughs) position than it is you study for it in college. Yeah. So how did you land there? I was working at a fast food restaurant after college and then applying to a bunch of places and someone from my church had just started working there about a year before and he referred me for the job about a year after I'd been looking for a job. He'd been working there and when there was an opening, he told his manager about it and told me about it so they were able to reach out to me so that I could apply. Okay, cool. So you already kind of started it telling me that you you help people when they have claims after an accident, but... What does an average day actually look like for you as a claims adjuster? When I logged off my computer earlier today, I had 82 claims. So I'm dealing with a lot of them all throughout the day. And a day generally for me looks like going into the office and it's a good like eight to five job if that's what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. If you're not looking for a job where you're going to be working extremely long hours, it's kind of your standard, you know, American job. Yeah. Um, But I go in and I have three mediums that I'm working through. One is my phone, one is my email, and then one is a program called Claim Center. Each claim has its own digital file. So my job is to make sure that none of those three things get out of hand. So I don't get too many calls. I have to deal with that. If I get a bunch of emails, I have to deal with that. And getting a bunch of activities in Claim Center by people like managers sending me, you know, Garrett, you need to get this done. So each day can look very similar and each day can look different. Um, Sometimes it's a good day if I come in, I don't have any voicemails or I have one or two. But there are some days that I come in with like eight or nine voicemails and it's like I got to (laughs) return each of these calls with someone that's got something that they need done. Mm -hmm. Um, And people tend to be impatient after a car accident um, because their entire life has been put on hold um, and it's been inconvenienced. And half the people, it's not their fault that they were inconvenienced. (laughs) No, that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, yeah, impatient people. Do you have to deal with a lot of people who are angry like at you? Less than I would have thought, but more than I'd prefer. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I got a lot more people angry earlier on in my career than I do now. 
some of my bosses say you're constantly putting out fires is the metaphor that they use. I do deal with a fair amount of people that are angry and they're usually not angry at me at first. Sometimes <laughs> they're angry at our insured, which is what we call someone who has a policy with us. So oftentimes our insured hits somebody else and that person that got hit is upset and they hear bad things about insurance companies because insurance is messy. It can be complicated. So they're on guard when claims adjuster calls them. So I do get a fair amount of people that are upset, but a lot of people just more scared than upset um, and just need someone to help them. That makes a lot of sense. I know um, when I've gotten in an accident before, yeah, it's definitely just a lot of unknown. I don't know what's going to happen next. So I could definitely see that. Now, as a claims adjuster, how do you deal with telling, whether it's your insured or someone who is in an accident with your insured, telling them bad news, like telling them no? Telling no is not a... uh not a fun job, but it really depends who I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm talking to my insured, they bought a policy with Farm Bureau. I have to do a lot more, maybe sweet talking, if you will. <laughs> I have to make it sound better because my job is to do my job correctly, but also make sure that they stay a customer. Because mm-hmm. in the end, they're the ones paying to have the policy, which is where my paycheck comes from. Yeah. Whereas if they're a claimant, which is what we call someone that isn't our insured that has a, that's filing a claim with us. I have less of a responsibility to not be nice to them, but to do something for them. Giving bad news to my insured is something I would like to tread lightly on, whereas giving bad news to someone, especially if it's not our insured's fault, it's a lot easier to do. Just be frank, take a little bit of insulting, and then just hang up the phone. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. At the end of the day, you are working for your company and for your insured right? and not for the, the claimant, as you say. Right. What is your favorite thing about your job? You've been there for a few years now. I have a couple of things I love about the job. Overall, I know maybe I've said some negative things, but (laughs) um, the negative things are less often than the good things. That's good. The company I work for is great. They really care about their employees probably more than a lot of bigger companies because they're a small company because our claims unit is only 120 people mm-hmm. versus a big insurance company may have thousands, tens of thousands of people working there. Yeah, It's seen as more of a, a family company, even though it's a little bit bigger than like a family owned business. So I love that. I love being able to help someone. I do a lot more helping than hurting. <laughs> it's just the hurting ones make the better stories. The bad stories are the ones that makes it more fun, but most claims run in a um, very typical way. But I do enjoy helping people, especially when I can tell that they're scared and they don't know what to do. I like being able to help someone to get their car fixed quickly or to settle a claim where they were thought they might get sued on mm. and to help someone that really is struggling because the car is their only source of transportation. They need to get to work or something like that. So I I enjoy helping my insureds and getting to talk with a very colorful cast of people. Um, I work only in the state of Florida, but I've done work in the Jacksonville area, Orlando, and in the panhandle of Florida. Mm -hmm. And if you know Florida, you know that those three places can have people from all over the world there for all different reasons. So I've gotten to talk with people from Canada, Europe that have gotten in accidents going to Disney <laughs> and stuff like that. So you can get some some fun stories with some fun people. Yeah, I definitely believe it. I know my brother once got hit in Orlando by a uh, European family who were on vacation there. So I know that definitely happens. I had a lady that was English and she had this real like sing-songy 
like Queen's English accent. <laughs> so every time I'd get a phone call from her, she'd go, hello, Garrett, <laughs> and stuff like that. And I talked to her like 10 times throughout the course of this claim. But every time it was weird to hear because it sounded like straight out of like Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. To the flip side of that, what's one of the hardest things about your job? The hardest kind of claim is one when there's a serious injury. Mm. So I deal with injury and non-injury claims. Some companies do it where you, someone will just in, handle the injury part and someone just handles the vehicle damage. I handle both. I've had some horror stories as far as how these accidents happen, what happens. I can't give away too many details, mm-hmm. but I've had you know miners flipping trucks while mudding and oh, having wow. a friend who was in the vehicle go to the hospital in a coma. Deadly car crashes do happen, unfortunately. So I have to do these things called a recorded statement. It's an interview with someone asking them what happened in the accident. They mm-hmm. are normally very standard. They take like five minutes or so. And I just ask you, you know, what happened? Where did it happen? How did it happen? Stuff like that. I had to take a recorded statement with a woman that had been in a single car crash with her friend and her friend didn't make it. That was the saddest recorded statement. I had to be sensitive to her because it had only been a couple of weeks since the accident happened, mm-hmm. but it was something I had to do. So that was probably the worst part of my job is dealing with the families, especially that are affected when a serious accident does occur. I think that's something that I've never even thought of um, from the insurance side of things. I've been fortunate enough to be involved in very small accidents. So having to deal with the very serious ones definitely would be tough. Yeah, wear your seatbelt. It does save lives. Yeah, for sure. That might be an answer to the following question, but I'm wondering if there are other things. What has surprised you about your job? Maybe this shouldn't surprise me so much because I I think it happens in a lot of jobs, but it's surprising how much people pretend to fake how much they know about my job and how to do it. (laughs) Well, maybe I shouldn't be surprised by people, but I get people constantly trying to tell me like, no, no, this is how an insurance policy works. (laughs) Um, And I have to be gentle and tell them like, no, if the policy says you have to pay your deductible, like you have to pay your deductible or we cannot fix your vehicle and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of people say, but it's not my fault. It's like, well, the other person didn't have insurance. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel like that happens in a lot of fields. People are very quick to know how to do your job when they're not in the position of actually needing to do it. Right. That actually brings up a good point. I personally find insurance extremely confusing. How hard was it to wrap your head around it to the point where you felt like you understood it well enough to work in it and to like explain it to other people? It didn't take as long to get used to how it worked on the most basic level. So the way that they train at my company is I like an apprenticeship for like a month or so with some skilled adjusters. And then after that, they started giving me claims and they give me small claims. So an example of a small claim is a deer hit. We insure a lot of people in North Florida. There's a lot of people that hit deers. <laughs> a deer hit is really easy as far as a claim goes because there's only one vehicle involved. Usually nobody's injured and nobody's at fault. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to get a recorded statement from the deer or anything. Um, <laughs> he doesn't matter. So all we have to do is get the vehicle to a shop and get it fixed. Mm-hmm. And then they gradually work you up into two car accidents, but maybe it's in a parking lot. Not as many people get injured in parking lot accidents. They're generally low speed. And then they keep going from there. Mm-hmm. And then once you start getting rear endings, that's when you start getting people that are injured. So they worked me up in a lot of ways and that really helped to see how it works. 
As I got into more complicated claims, what I found out is things that are more complicated don't work out the way that maybe is the most fair or most just. Hmm. So an example would be we've had claims where you get an accident where it's not clear who's at fault. A very common one is a we call it a left turn dispute. So one person has a green light and they're coming straight and one person claims to have a green arrow and they're turning left and the two cars collide. Someone's always injured because this is always a high-speed occurrence. Mm -hmm. The problem is by the damage, you can't tell who was in the right. The only thing that can show you is a camera, and there usually aren't cameras. So what will happen sometimes is we'll call deny liability. We'll say, no, our insured had a green arrow. They were not at fault. But the other person is so injured that we pay them money so that they don't sue our insured, even though our insured may not have been at fault. So it gets much more complicated the more you involve attorneys this more serious injuries are and stuff like that wow that definitely is a lot more complex than i had realized it could get right there are business decisions that insurance companies have to make and it makes insureds really mad because sometimes we'll pay out a lot of money to get what's called a release that release says i will not sue the insured in exchange for this amount of money mm. it's a settlement just like when you hear celebrities settling for an undisclosed <laughs> amount it's the exact same thing and you get that release signed. Sometimes we'll pay to get a release signed that we probably shouldn't because it will cost us more to pay attorneys to defend our insured than it would to just pay them a lump sum of a certain amount. Mm -hmm. um, and those ones get really tricky. And I have claims that are six, seven years old. Like I wasn't even at, I was in college when the accident happened, but <laughs> I'm still working on them because they're in a lawsuit and stuff. Wow. Yeah. I can't even imagine dealing with a claim that was that old for myself, much less for somebody else. Right. And when it's like, I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. <laughs> like the guy that talked to the insured initially, like left the company like two years ago or whatever. <laughs> I get those a lot. Wow. That's crazy. Now you mentioned that you are a college graduate. What type of education is necessary to be a claims adjuster? To be any kind of claims adjuster, a college education is not always necessary. Oftentimes companies want somebody with a college degree to work injuries because like I was saying, they get more complicated, there's more negotiating, and it's a little bit more complicated the way that it works. Whereas there are some other positions where if you just do um, the damage side of things, the physical damage is what we call it, they may not require a college degree. What I've also seen is they don't really care what kind of degree you have. What they want to see is that interview. The interview means a lot because you're still working in the service industry, very similar to like working at a, a restaurant. Mm -hmm. It's more money and you're working with stuff that is different, but at the same time, they would much rather have someone without a college degree that knows how to talk to somebody, knows how to calm them down and knows how to get that person where they need to be, whether it's they need to go to a shop, they need to go to a doctor, mm -hmm. rather than someone that's really smart that doesn't know how to talk to people. My phone is constantly ringing. It's constantly on. Of my eight hours that I spend on a shift, I bet I spend at least four hours on the phone, but some days more. You have to plan on deciding what to do with that other amount of time, whether it's reviewing a file or you know, getting scene photos or something like that. So um, as far as a college education goes, like I said, um, insurance isn't something that people mean to get into. They're not planning on going into insurance a lot of the times. Yeah. They end up going there because their job's available and then they end up liking it. Somewhere that I do know that has a program um, is Florida State. 
a lot of my managers went to Florida State and they have a risk management program, which is as close to an insurance degree as you can get, but it's definitely not necessary. Okay. That makes sense. So you mentioned being on the phone potentially like four hours a day or so. As a millennial, I think stereotypically we can say that you might not like talking on the phone all that much. How has that been for you? I've gotten used to it. I take the first hour of my day. I usually get in the office 745, something like that. And I set up my day. I check my voicemails, but I don't call anyone back yet. I look at my emails and I look at my tasks that I have on our claims program. And that's how I set up my day. So I try to give myself 15 tasks. If I give myself any more tasks than that, I usually can't finish them all. So there's no use in doing more than that. I have to check all the emails that I got. And I like to leave my inbox clean at the end of the day. So since we put our emails into our digital files, I just delete the email when I'm done with it. Because if I need it, it's in the file. Mm-hmm. So the idea is I need to check every email that I get. I need to do my 15 tasks and I need to reply to all the voicemails. So I spend the first hour setting that day up so that I can start calling people Um, because I'll get claims as the day goes on. We get documents as the day goes on that need response sometimes quickly and sometimes not. So what I do is I spend the hour and it's like a peaceful first hour where I don't have to be on the phone. But then after that, I can start calling and that gives me some time so that I feel organized Because what I found is if I'm not confident on that phone call, the insured is going to eat me up. They're going to walk all over me and think, man, this insurance company is terrible. But if I sound like I know what I'm talking about, even though I don't usually, (laughs) then they're like, oh, this guy means business. Uh, I'll listen to him. And that first first couple of seconds of a phone call can really make a huge difference. If I'm stumbling over words, that doesn't sound good. But if I sound like I have a plan because I've read the file, I know what's going on, I know what I need to get out of this phone call, then that phone call can go well and it can go quickly. Yeah, that's huge. So it sounds like, you know, an hour of preparation or even a few minutes of preparation before something can save you so much in terms of how hard that task ends up being. Correct. Yeah. And especially in the, um, we call it making initial contact. So that's the first time you get a notification that says, this is a new claim. This is Sally. She got in an accident yesterday. She rear-ended somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, that first phone call that I make to Sally is the most important one because I get a lot of information from it, but I also set the tone for how the claim is going to get handled. If I forget to tell her you need to take your car to a shop, then she's going to think I'm disorganized and then want to either want the claim switched or she'll want to speak to my manager. <laughs> yeah, neither of which sounds like a great option yeah. for you. <laughs> Now, I feel bad for the managers at my company tend to get two kinds of phone calls. They get one from an employee asking a question because they need advice on something or two, it's from like someone that wants to talk to the manager because they're not satisfied <laughs> with their service. You yeah. have to return every phone call. Yikes. So what are some qualities that would make somebody well-suited for a job in insurance? I think we've kind of been hovering around some of them, but if you could put it into words. To succeed in insurance, you'll need patience for sure. Mm-hmm. You get people from all walks of life, all kinds of people, um, colorful characters. Um, you need to know how to deal with all of them. You get people that think they know what they're talking about. Some people that know more than you and some people that are just really scared. You need to be personable and you got to be able to do it over the phone, which can be a lot harder than face to face. Another thing is you have to learn to be organized. I wasn't organized before I did this. My job with the way I was trained set me up to be organized. So you don't have to say like, oh, I'm a really organized person. They'll make you organized, but you have to be willing to change 
And as technology changes, I've even noticed in the past two or three years of doing this, as technology changes, you have to learn to adapt. So when a new system is put in place, you got to learn to adapt on the fly and Mm -hmm. reorganize your day in a way that takes advantage of it because they're only giving you new technology to make your life easier. So learn to utilize it. We have some adjusters that have been working for Farm Bureau for 30 years, and it can be tough for them to get used to some of the new things. And it really inhibits their job because something that used to take them, you know, 15 minutes to do, they still do it the 15 minute way, even though there's a way that takes five minutes now. So learning how to be organized, you need to be teachable. There's always going to be something you can do better. And I think if you have those two, you know, you can do really well in this job. Okay, awesome. What do future job prospects look like for you as a claims adjuster? Like, is there kind of a clear-cut path forward? Maybe at a different company there would be. At my company, there's four kinds of adjusters. There's ones that do just auto damage. There's ones that do auto damage and injuries. There's ones that do a specific type of injury. It's called PIP. I'm not going to get into it, but it's a type of injury. And then there's a fourth kind of adjuster and they do the whole thing. So they do auto damage, auto injury, and then they also do property, meaning going out to someone's house. Like if they had a a leak in their house or a tree fell in their house. Those are the four basic levels. And then from there, we have some supervisors and the supervisors manage the people that do just the auto damage. The supervisors are also the ones that take complaints and they're the ones that give advice to all of the adjusters. So if you have a question, you ask your supervisor. Mm -hmm. Then above that, you have the claims manager. The claims manager manages all the people that do stuff with injuries. The way that it works is there's not that many supervisors and there's not that many managers. So in my job, there's not as much place for you to grow. The best place of growth will probably be at a larger company. Now, the good thing is Farm Bureau gives better incentives, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe that can be something in a smaller company where it pays a little better. There are more incentives to stay as just an adjuster. At a bigger company, there would be a lot more supervisors. And the more dangerous claims you have, the more ones with serious injuries and stuff like that, the more people you need to work that claim. So there would be Mm -hmm. more prospects moving up. That makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned that at a smaller company like yours, you know, they might be able to incentivize you a little bit more as an adjuster, more than maybe a bigger company might. So what can someone actually expect to make working as an adjuster? So that's going to depend on what kind of adjusting that you do. I think that's the answer all the time and where you work for. What I've noticed just working with other insurance companies, because I do that a lot, a place that's a much larger company, I think pays a lot less than a smaller company like Farm Bureau because they have a lot of turnover. And what that means is they get a lot of people. Not everyone's there to be a claims adjuster. They get a lot of turnover. They probably pay a lot less than I make because they get trained quickly and then they burn out quickly. They get tired of the nasty voicemails and nasty phone calls and people yelling at them over the phone. My salary starting out was $45,000 straight out of college. I know that if I didn't do injury claims, that it would be a little less, closer to 40000 Whereas the ones that do property claims as well, so like when a tree falls in someone's house, they make closer to $50,000 a year. And that's in Florida. I live in Gainesville, Florida. I don't know if you live in a bigger city like Miami or Jacksonville, but they give you a pay differential because of the cost of living. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I don't ask people about that, but Mm -hmm. I do know that that's kind of the base pays. But what was nice about Farm Bureau is I'm eligible for up to a 3.5% raise every year 
Okay. Um, there's a cap at some point. I think it might be five years, but you know, I'm getting close to making $50,000 and I haven't even been there three years. So that incentive is also a nice bonus to that they keep bumping my pay by a fairly significant amount. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing that. So it definitely sounds like it's something that you can make a, a good living at for sure, especially right out of college or even without a degree, like you were saying. Right. And the good news with it is until there are self-driving cars, there will always be people getting in car accidents. So the job <laughs> market is generally pretty good. And because there's high turnover, there's also a lot of prospects. So if you needed to get a job just straight out of college, just as a filler, it would be a good place to do it since they tend to be hiring often. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Now, I know that you said insurance is often a job you fall into and not something you're really planning on. But if there's somebody listening to our show who is like, hey, that sounds like something I'd like to do, what are kind of some steps that they could take to prepare themselves for that? The steps would be fairly easy. I would recommend still getting a college degree, especially because it helps your prospects moving up if you want to do injury claims. Since they are more complicated, they tend to require that college degree. So I'd recommend that. My degree was in linguistics, so nothing to do with insurance um, <laughs> at all, but maybe something more in a business field. Like I said, Florida State is the only college that I know of in Florida that has a risk management degree. That would be a great degree to have because it teaches you the ins and outs. Another name for insurance is risk management. So it's similar to an insurance degree. It's what a lot of my managers got their degrees in. Um, mm -hmm. So that would probably be the best degree if you really want to go into insurance. And getting as much experience as you can in the service industry, I can't imagine what this job would have been like if I hadn't been a waiter, if I hadn't worked at a fast food restaurant, if I hadn't worked at coffee shops. I can't imagine knowing how to interact with people in that same way because people interact with you differently when they really need something. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the service industry prepares you for the good and the bad of that and for how to talk to people. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think oftentimes people will look down on service industry jobs, but I think especially if you see it as like a stepping stone to something else and somewhere that, you know, you can make money, but also be learning skills that transfer to jobs in the future, it can really be a great opportunity. Right. And a lot of jobs from talking with all kinds of people that do all kinds of things, listen to this podcast is communication with other people mm -hmm. seems to always be a high priority. So Anything you can do to help yourself become a better communicator will go a long way. Yeah, definitely. Garrett, is there anything else that you'd like to share before we uh, close up? I think being a claims adjuster is a great job. I've actually gotten a lot of friends just because Farm Bureau had a bunch of openings into it. And a lot of people that were hesitant about it seem to love it now. So I think it's something that sounds much more boring than it is. So if you see that there's some sort of position open, I say go for it. Go to the interview and at least see. They may surprise you. That's encouraging. Well, Garrett, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Uh, it's been a blast getting to talk to you and getting to learn a little bit about your job. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for checking out the show today. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you're listening on Apple Music, leave a review to show others how much you love the show. As always, catch you guys later.